three, and we are recording. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. And today I'm pretty excited because it's the first time you put theory into practice. And uh, so I found somebody from social media, TikTok, who pretty much, well, let me introduce him real quick. So he's an entrepreneur, he's a podcast host, and he's a content creator. And he's probably one of the youngest people to hold all those three titles. Uh, with me is uh, Campbell, um, J- Campbell Barron. Campbell Barron. I wasn't sure if you wanted to pronounce your middle name or not. I don't know how it goes, but either way, um, if you had to give an, an elevator pitch really quickly about the things that you do, what would it be? Yeah. Hi, I'm Campbell. I'm a 17-year-old entrepreneur podcaster. Uh, I started my first business uh, when I lived in New York. When I was eight, it was a lemonade stand. I moved back to Toronto, Canada, where I'm from. Uh, when I was 13, I started a video agency, learned to cold email, uh, started producing social media content for a wide range of brands, including Pinkberry and many others here in Canada. That led me to a podcast I started when I was 15 called The Ones Who Succeed, where I had conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, including the founders of SoulCycle, Dollar Shave Club, StubHub, Gimlet Media, Headspace, uh, TaskRabbit, um, and venture investors like Chris Saka and Mark Cuban. Um, and uh, all of that was through cold email. I had zero connections before that. I am still the host of the podcast, The Ones Who Succeed on season two now. Um, I work full-time at a startup, um, and I'm also working on my own projects on the side and make TikTok videos. So, uh, of course, the and, content creator uh, side. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Uh, do I hold a few uh, a few titles, but um, just uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, and congratulations on all those accolades, man. It's really, really motivating and impressive, especially um, in this area, at least for me and this society. Well, I live in Miami, so uh, I don't live in the nice part. No, I live in a pretty nice part of Miami, but what I mean is that where I grew up, there isn't a lot of people who want to push forward in life, you know, so it is always... Um, exciting and new to talk to people with uh, a lot of ambition a lot of dreams so that's why exactly i had to have you on the podcast and just pick your brain a little bit so pretty much what led you down this path what at what age did you realize that you wanted to create content that you wanted to talk to people that you wanted to make something out of yourself um i think i always had um high expectations for myself um i'm definitely no genius um i'm probably like average in that sense but i realized like if you have, if you can develop a work ethic, you'll probably um, do well, or at least have more shots at that, or not more shots at that. At least you'll be able to essentially, uh, uh, essentially be able to um, try things over and over again and see if they work, um, and and have more resilience. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so I, uh, I think that um, I really started getting interested in content creation when I was maybe like eight or nine. Um, I'm from Toronto uh, in Canada, um, grew up grew up here a little bit, but re- moved to New York when I was like five or six maybe, um, and then lived there for about five, six years. Um, and so I really grew up in a high fast-paced environment. However, um, you know, wasn't really around content creators. Um, my aunt uh, worked for a sports broadcaster um, uh, as a host. So that was the only really tie I had to content creation. However, I'm not as interested in sports broadcasting. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> I was, I just kind of picked up a, my first, I think I got an iPad. If we had a family iPad, um, when that came out and, uh, you know, when my brother wasn't playing games, who's a little bit younger than me, I, you know, downloaded iMovie and started making little videos. Um, and I, I think I like the idea of being able to con- uh, control your own narrative and tell stories. Um, 
And, you know, like I said, I was not, I'm not naturally talented at video editing. I'm not smarter than, you know, the average person, but I, you know, realize that if you have a work ethic and you kind of put a lot of hours into it, uh, you'll, you'll see results. Um, maybe not overnight or definitely not overnight, but yeah. over time. And so, you know, I made a lot of videos with that iPad and then, you know, saved up and got like a video camera that like shot to CDs. It was super old and then had to convert those CDs to video files and then, you know, got like editing software on like an old PC and started using that. And then when my family uh, got a Mac computer a while ago, it was my mom's actually, but I kind of like hijacked it and installed all these video <laughs> editing softwares and started editing on iMovie there. And then uh, Final Cut Pro and Premiere and just like really enjoyed making videos and they were like totally random videos like you know I, I don't even know like little I little movies little like it's whatever YouTube comes videos, to mind just as long as you're creative mind yeah and, and it wasn't even that like I didn't I didn't really it wasn't necessarily the idea of being a creator that excited me it was more the idea of being able to uh, tell stories Okay. Um, and I think storytelling is actually one of my favorite things. And I think we can get into that. But I think now with, with the podcast and with TikTok and even what I do with like my interest in entrepreneurship and startups, I think storytelling is really, really important. And I think that's what video editing kind of enabled me to do um, and, and content creation in general. I mean, I definitely think so too. Um, I started majoring in motion pictures when I got to college just because of the fact that storytelling is so important to me. And even this podcast started because one of the, my favorite things to just do overall with another person is just sit down and talk to them. I think talking mm -hmm. to some, someone just uh, allows you to understand what they do and why they do it. And um, yeah. it's just honestly one of my favorite things to do because you, you gain so much perspective on the world. And um, 100%. you make friends from all over the place if you really dedicate yourself to that. And like, like you said, resilience is key. But with that given, so here you are. What's in the future? Do you think a college degree is necessary? Right into it, man. Um, do I think a college degree is necessary? Uh, it's funny you ask this because I just, um, education is like one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, yeah. I do a little bit on TikTok. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, I, I actually recently had a conversation on my podcast um, with the founder of, of Top Hat, which is an education tech startup here in Toronto. They've raised $100 million there. A pretty prominent um, startup here. I don't even. I guess they are still a startup, but they're they're quite big. They're doing well. They essentially make university lectures more engaging by creating software for professors to basically create uh, just like create lectures, um, and then you know students log in with their laptop to their top hat account, and they can view lectures in, in a more dynamic way that suits their learning style, you take notes, et cetera. Very, very cool piece of software. But we were talking a lot about the degree. And I think the number one thing with this comes down to is, I think uh, it's very easy to say uh, something is to, to have a black and white stance on anything. And what I mean by that is like an on and off stance. So like everyone should go to college, college is amazing, it's the only way to succeed, or nobody should go to college, college sucks. It's not teaching you anything. And I think both of those are wrong. Like I really do. I think there are people who should go to college. Uh, if I'm gonna be cut open by a surgeon, I really hope that surgeon had some form of formal education. I don't want them to Me learn too. on YouTube. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into that. Um, yeah, cutting videos and cutting I'm, people open is not the same thing at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. But if I'm hiring a video editor, and I edit my own videos now, but I'm sure this day will come, 
Uh, do I care what school they went to? No, I don't care. I care of how, how they edit videos. And I know at Top At, when I talked to um, Mike, who runs it, he told me that like, you know what, they kind of just look for the best talent and whether they have a degree or not for certain things, right? So for, for something maybe more like finance, like accounting, maybe you want the degree, but for something like engineering, do you really need a degree? I don't know. So when this whole pro college debate, I really think it depends on the person. I feel like there are people who don't really know what they want to do at all. Um, and I think fine, college is probably a decent way to taste things. There's certainly an aspect of socialization that I think college brings now with COVID that doesn't really happen anymore. Is it overpriced? Uh, are, Ivy, are many schools overpriced? Yes, definitely. I think student debt is a real problem, especially considering what you're getting. Um, and so I don't really have like a, I don't think anyone should go to college or everyone should go to college, but I think it really depends on the career and more importantly, who you are as a person and how you realize you learn. For me personally, I always like, was never really a big fan of school. Um, I graduated high school a year early because on my first day of high school, I hated it. And I was like, I can't do this for four years. And so yeah. I like took a bunch of extra classes at night and in the summer and graduated a year early. Um, and whether I end up going to college or not is still to be determined. But I definitely think there um, are many opportunities. Um, I, I'm a big believer in education, but I also am a big believer that you don't have to go to college to get an education. And you can get an education by watching YouTube videos. I agree everything 100%. I've done was Everything I've done was self-taught. Like I never had, I never took a video editing class in school. I just learned on YouTube. Um, with everything, with my interest in product design for startups, with my interest in video editing, with my interest in podcasting, um, et cetera. And so I am, tend to be more of a, like a self-starter in that sense. I, I'm more comfortable by taking the learning into my own hands, yet I have plenty of friends who just don't know where to start and need kind of a formal structure. So I think, I think there are many different paths that you can go down. I think if you are uh, essentially a student who you know wants to go to college and likes that structure then i think go i, I it's totally depends on the person and it totally depends on the career um and i think the the most dangerous thing is to say nobody should go to college or everyone should go to college because both of those are the wrong answer yeah extremes are never good and i mean personally I wouldn't be here without having gone to college because I honestly, I was one of those people after I graduated high school, I was really into journalism. I didn't really, I thought that's what I wanted to pursue. Yeah, exactly. So I went to college, changed my major and communication became the key and here I am. But it really just yeah. does depend because there are some people who really value or look forward to that four-year experience. And I do think there is a great amount of things that you can learn in college, especially the social aspect. And, but I do think as technology and all these, uh, platforms become bigger and bigger i think that question is going to be raised up because honestly like there's things like for example i do photography on the site and you know how the tiktok algorithm just works in your favor and it shows you things that you want to see yeah i see at least page do you have the learn tab i don't is i but yeah. I, is, is that something i should look into no well i mean i don't know i i made a video about it and a bunch of people are like you're a liar but uh, apparently that's <laughs> not true tiktok essentially launched this learn page which only shows you educational content it's like a for you page but only educational content i got it i don't think there's any special reason why i got it um, i think it's kind of just rolled out randomly um, okay but i made a video and a lot of people don't have it i only have like two friends who have it so anyway but going back into your your for you page like yeah yeah it's, it's just, just super interesting because i learned so much 
just by scrolling through TikTok. Like just little things giving me ideas and moving forward. So I do think that question is going to grow bigger because there's a lot of things that you can learn on the internet and some people are just going to deem college as useless, but that's also not the right way to look at it. But I think either a way, balance, man. it's a balance. It's definitely a balance. Extremes are never good, but I wanted to move on really quickly. So I also saw one of your videos about Quibi and how they've lost, Quibi. what was it? Like 90% of their other subscribers. Yeah, 90 92, maybe something around there. Yeah. And the first time I heard about Quibi, it was earlier this year in one of my classes. And to be honest with you, I thought it was, I thought it wasn't a great idea at all. I thought, I thought they could be moving that money somewhere else and finding a different type of content creation that they could use because I kind of saw this happening, but I also watched another one of your videos where a lot of companies, when they start off and they don't with the initial idea, they don't really work out. So they switch to something else. Right. So right, do you think right. Quibi could possibly make a comeback with some sort of different uh, idea structure or what do you think the deal with that company is going to be in the future? Well, full disclosure here. I'm probably not. I made that TikTok video out of a, Basically, like I make I make TikTok videos um, based on articles and news stories that I find interesting and think I could, you know, make into short form TikTok videos that would grab hold people's attention and kind of start maybe a dialogue. Generally, that revolves around tech, entrepreneurship, business, and education. Yes. And so, I am not in a position to be recommending what Quibi does, as I'm not a seasoned startup CEO yet. Hopefully, one day. Mm -hmm. And as a result, these are kind of just my opinions coming from a consumer perspective. Um, I actually, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to say on behalf of, so I had a conversation with Casey Newton, who's a, like a Silicon Valley editor at the verge, um, which is the, a big tech publication. And Casey's really, really, he's qualified to talk about this. And I asked him about Quibi and he said like, okay, take Disney plus, for example, why did people sign up for Disney plus? Well, maybe they wanted to watch like high school musical. Maybe they wanted to watch, um, whatever, I don't know, what's a Disney show, Aladdin, but people really just wanted to see Baby Yoda. Like a lot of the people were really interested in seeing Baby Me Yoda. Me personally, I made okay. a seven day trial and after I watched The Mandalorian in less than a couple of days, I so, canceled exactly. it. So, so I mean, so there's like, there's a show, there's like a few shows that people really wanted to see and then the rest of it was like, ah, okay, fine. Um, and I think Hamilton right now is maybe one of that shows too. Um, that, you know, great plays etc in the form of a movie i guess um and so i think what quibby's and uh, and i agree with casey uh, casey newton and and he said this so I'm, I'm quoting i'm like paraphrasing what he said but i agree with it i think that um quibby hasn't really found their killer show that everyone wants to watch because uh, and, and unless you really have that why are people kind of going to keep using the app and so if there was like one, if Hamilton like got repurposed and Hamilton and Quibi outbid Hamilton and, and Quibi had that and they can like purpose it into like little segments and, or maybe each scene is, is I don't know how it works because Quibi is more short form. They can figure something out. I feel like people, a lot of people would just use Quibi just because they want to see Hamilton, um, et cetera. And so I think, I don't know. I'm not convinced that Quibi spent, they spent like a billion dollars on like creating content and I'm not convinced that, um, and, and I like, once again, I'm paraphrasing what Casey said, but they haven't really found their, their golden, their golden ticket. And so I think right now they're probably really figuring out how they could do that. They have the tech. I like the idea of a mobile first streaming service. I don't necessarily think there are too many because if there's new content you want to watch, you're not going to say, well, okay, well, I'll just use Netflix. Even though it doesn't have that, you'll sign up for the new thing if you can afford it. 
And so I even thought what would be interesting was like, this is just my like opinion. I don't know why they didn't just like do deals with YouTubers and try to poach them off. YouTube. Oh, it's going to be my and, next like, point. Here, David Dobrik, here's $50 million out of our billion dollar budget here for the next three years, do a Joe, Ro like the Joe Rogan Spotify thing, basically say, Hey, move your vlogs over to Quibi, just shoot them vertically. People will watch men. People will watch like, as opposed to trying to make hits, why don't they just buy hits? Um, and I get it for maybe $50 million is a bit much. Maybe he wouldn't take that, but there's a number I think where he would, I even think yeah. with other YouTubers, you could do the same and they don't all have to be like a list YouTubers. Right. And so um, I know as a content creator myself, if I got a call from Quibi and I'm a tiny compared to David Dobrik, needless to say, if I got a call from Quibi saying, Hey, you want to move your stuff over here? Um, etc. And, and I'd be part of like this big group of creators. Like that'd be something that'd be very interesting. I wouldn't kind of, you know, laugh at it. And so I think that that could have been one way. Um, and I think they're just trying to find product market fit, figure out what they figure out what they are. The, you really, the launch, the hype of a launch um, from working at it, like from like, you know, talking to a lot of entrepreneurs who've built startups, you figure out what your actual, who actually likes your product and if it is actually a useful product after the hype wears out. And so right now, I even think the hype wearing out on Quibi is maybe a blessing in disguise because they can look at the data and say, okay, what do we need to do to try to find product market fit and make this work? Um, and whether that involves a pivot, I don't know. But uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take the view, again, that Quibi is going to just die and it's running to the ground. Um, but I think they gotta they gotta move quickly and, and figure figure out how they're gonna turn it around. I 100% agree. And I was um uh, there's a YouTuber that I watch a lot. His name is Philip DeFranco. I'm not sure if you're familiar with mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does news and stuff. Um, and he was talking about how if Quibi came up to him, he's like, okay, I'll definitely yeah. move my platform over there. And I'm I just like that would have been that's a great example, Philip's. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I agree. I think that's probably their next step because I don't think they'll just let their this entire idea go down. But also, like you said, let's buy content instead of creating. But they're throwing millions at these A-lister actors. They're throwing millions at LeBron. They're throwing millions at other, so many other people that maybe, in my opinion, and I'm not qualified the to say is, any of this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. The, I just think the difference is they're throwing millions of dollars creating new shows with these A-list celebrities. And no one knows if those shows are actually going to work. As exactly. opposed to David Dobrik, who already has a show, theoretically, on YouTube, right? That's a show. Philip DeFranco has a show. There are a bunch of these creators who have shows already who found content market fit basically with their with the content they're creating that could be pretty easily translated over yeah we'll definitely have to see what happens i'm very interested to see that because it's it's it was pretty much one of the only companies that i first i heard about them this year and then i heard the downfall of it this year so i kind of want to see what happens it's really interesting but also to move on you also made another video which caught my interest a lot and you were talking with, I believe, someone from Anchor. And yeah, you're, Mike, Mike, who started Anchor. Yeah. So he said, he said that there aren't too many podcasts in 2020. Yes, and your did. comments were just flooded with, man, there's podcasts oh, yeah. everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. What do you have yeah. to say about that? It's a great question because I haven't had time to explain myself. Um, so look, there aren't too many podcasts in 2020. And uh, I asked Mike this question kind of half believing and half not. Um, I ask questions for my podcast based off of what I'm interested in, but also based off of what I anticipate my listener will also want to know. And this was one that I kind of already knew the answer. What's, what is Mike going to say? There are too many podcasts. No, he runs Anchor, like obviously yeah. not. But I, I wanted to hear 
what uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening were curious about that and I wanted to hear his explanation. And so are there too many? Well, what does too many mean? There are many, absolutely. But like in, in 2015 or 2014, there are, there are a decent amount of YouTubers, 2015 especially. Um, in 2019, are there too many YouTubers? No, there'll always be more people that people will subscribe to and follow. Um, and it's, is it going to be harder to find them? Probably because there are more. Like if I was a YouTuber in 2014, I'd have an easier time getting an audience than in 2020, obviously, because, you know, there are just six years did a dramatic six years of YouTube was major, right? You had major people blow up. Needless to say, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's over, right? That doesn't mean that there's still not an opportunity to become a YouTuber in 2020 and grow an audience. And I think the same thing is with podcasts, but I even think with podcasts, I think we're, for, I think we're not at 2020. I think we're still kind of in the earlier days because right now a lot of the podcasts so. are the same right now. A lot of the podcasts are like interview shows um, and that's fine, but there are only so many questions you can ask. And so I still think there are more opportunities for podcasts that aren't interview shows um, that, you know, maybe are interactive. I don't know, but the, we are, I definitely don't think, I just definitely think that because there are every, because everyone has a podcast, people like to think there are too many but because everyone, most people's podcasts are not going to last for 10 years. Um, and who knows if mine lasts for 10 years. And so I think there are, there's still an opportunity to um, essentially, uh, you know, rethink audio and, and harness podcasting. And I think that just because there are so many podcasts doesn't mean there are too many. You could say because, the same thing for like, TikTok. because I mean, sorry, the other, and the other thing is because if there, if you maybe have like 50 podcasts in your feed that you're subscribed to, like, that's fine. But what if there's just this one killer show that you love? You're not going to be like, well, I have 50 podcasts in my feed. I'm not going to listen to that killer show. No, yeah. you're going to listen just like everyone else will. And so that's even like going back to the Quibi thing. I think that's the same thing. If you can, if there are really good, if there's good content on the platform, whether that's podcasting, Quibi, YouTube, people are in, enticed to watch, listen, subscribe, etc. Something that always caught my attention, I never really understood why, is every time you, when you look at like the top podcast there's a huge audience for murder mystery podcast. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> so if you look I mean, at the, the top 10, people have interest, man, like podcasts yeah. is one of those very interest based things. Like my, the podcasts I listen to are like business, entrepreneurship, finance, like tech, pretty much it. Like I'm, and that, those are kind of all my interests, maybe a little bit of education. And, you know, so I, I think like there's, you can even find, even niche podcasts can be bigger than you would think just because there's such a big audience for things like murder mystery or, or, you know, it's startup huge. stories. It's huge. And especially all the social media people creating their own podcasts. That's also a yeah. huge thing to start. And then I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, a lot of stand-up comedians, and that's pretty yeah. much like where my little circle of podcasts ends. Cause that's what I'm entertained right. by. Yeah. But, um, what was going to say? Oh, so would you consider the Mark Cuban interview your biggest interview to this day? I consider, um, like biggest isn't like most recognizable. Yeah. It was probably the most recognizable name I had on because he's, you know, known um, across the U S and the world. Um, was it, uh, yeah. I mean like, yeah, it was, it was, it was probably the biggest interview, but I, was it my favorite? Um, just because it was the biggest doesn't mean it was my favorite. It of was course. one of my favorites. I actually don't, people are like, oh, who's the person you love talking to the most? I actually don't have one. And maybe that's bad. I'm not sure. It's um, okay. Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban was up there. I really loved Chris Saka too, who's also Mark Cuban's friend. Um, I liked Alex Bloomberg, who runs Gimlet Media, which is like 
by the way, a podcasting network that's really killing it. And they got acquired by Spotify and they make really awesome shows like Reply All and a bunch of others. And, and so I have like not just because um, they're very recognizable doesn't mean they're necessarily my favorites. However, Mark Cuban was definitely one of my favorites because it's Mark Cuban and he's like a really fun guy to talk to um, and super nice. Like I wasn't, I, I, I knew him obviously I, or I knew of him before, right? I watched him on Shark Tank. I watched, did my research. I watched interviews, but the one thing I was really um, uh, not caught off guard, but I was happily um, surprised by was just, his generosity and, and kindness. He's just a really nice guy. Um, and so, yeah, it's probably my biggest interview in terms of brand recognition. Was that one of the interviews where you had to be pretty much be um, follow up multiple times and trying to get a yes and trying to get a yes? Or how did that come about? How are you just like, okay, I want to interview Mark Cuban. Where was your step one? Uh, step one was like, uh, I mean, for me, it's just like, some people are like, I'm not going to try to interview these people because like, they're probably going to say no. And for me, it's like, well, I don't know if they're going to say no until they say no. Say no. And so mm -hmm. I put a list of like really huge people I wanted, like, and I've, I haven't, I've failed at most getting most guests. Like when I started season one of the pod, I sent like, you know, hundred, I reached out to like hundreds of guests and managed to get 12 to say yes, like hundreds and hundreds of guests. And um, Mark Cuban was season two and you know once I have season one and I had all these guests it's a little bit easier but still like my first step was putting a list of together putting a list together of people I wanted to interview Mark Cuban was not one of them you know I've tried to interview like Oprah and Elon Musk and a bunch of people and like no luck so most people most big names I try to get I just I can't but that doesn't kind of stop me from trying of course um, and so I just put Mark Cuban's name down. I knew he'd be really fun to talk. I knew he'd be really interesting to talk to. Um, uh, he turned out to be really interesting and fun. Um, but, you know, it's, it's until you talk to them, you don't really know too much. I can't judge him based on TV appearances it's or true. other yeah. interviews. Um, and so put his name down, Googled his email, did some Googling. I found it, uh, sent him an email um, and uh, a the cold email just saying, just saying, hey, love to have you on the pod. And I interviewed his friend, Chris Saka, like who was on Shark Tank with him. And so I'm sure that helped, that helped validate it. And really quickly he replied, like I think in the, within the first hour and uh, I oh, was wow. freaking out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, by the way, first hour reply, like I don't even do that. So that's, that's impressive. Just, uh, that shows you that his email game is strong. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and had that conversation uh a few weeks later it was awesome probably i was very uh i was nervous leading up to it but then when mark joined zoom which is like whenever your guest joins the zoom it's always like oh, okay here we go trust me Take i a know deep breath <laughs> um and uh and I, for some reason i didn't have that feeling i was like oh like this is sick i'm chatting with mark cuban right now and in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic at home and you know that's awesome and so and then I, I had a great time and then during the interview I wasn't as nervous and we just jammed it was great 100% that sounds good that sounds like a great um experience but also so we're in the topic of Mark Cuban he's a billionaire do you think it's a very controversial question especially in today's but do you are, think, you, are you gonna ask me if they should be taxed more no do you think billionaires okay. should just exist overall oh should billionaires all right we're going back yeah I mean I am uh um should they be taxed more? How do you say this without getting Jeff too, 
No, how do I say this without being too polite? Should they be taxed more? Yes. So that's the, I, I, you, you didn't ask that question, but I asked that question. Should mm-hmm. they be taxed more? Like a hundred percent. I tend to, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm definitely pro-capitalism. I'm not a, I, I don't tend to lean towards the socialism ex, uh, area. However, I do acknowledge that um, there is a point where wealth is just crazy. Um, and I think that I don't necessarily share the Bernie Sanders view that billionaires represent basically like a, a flaw in a capitalist society. Um, I actually, I, I like Bernie, I think he's charismatic, but I don't, I don't share his perspective on that end. However, I, I do think, I, I, so I, like there are a few billionaires, right? Like there's Elon Musk and Elon Musk has created, a, a, you know, these cars and these rockets that have, as a result, um, have, he's able, he's been able to basically build a, a company around this, which is really hard, by the way. Um, and as a result of the product that everyone loves, he has become a wealthy guy because he's created immense value, which has then in turn created shareholder value. Um, now he also held the risk for that company, right? So if Tesla failed and it like almost did many, many times, he would have, you know, his employees would have walked away, gotten their next job, and he would have been, you know, the guy who like ran this company to the ground. So he would have he took the success, but he also would have taken the blame. And I think as a result, uh, he has created so much value that I would say, yeah, he, I think his billions are, are, are earned. Now yeah. you don't make, you don't become a billionaire by trading your time for money by trade or yeah, by trading your time for money, you become a billionaire by owning a significant amount of equity in a company or something that is creating a bunch of value. Um, and so there are billionaires that have, are basically that I think, you know, are not necessarily creating a bunch of value and manage to be billionaires. There are billionaires that are, you know, frauds, whatever. There are frauds in every industry, not just billionaires, but I don't necessarily think that, I don't share the view that all billionaires are evil and they're all exploitive because I've talked to many and they're quite frankly not. Uh, and so there are always bad apples and there are always people yeah. who are gonna try to avoid paying taxes and et cetera. Um, now, should billionaires be taxed more? Like, yes, absolutely. They have billions of dollars. They should be taxed more. And I know bil- I've talked to billionaires who think they should be taxed more and are like, when Trump's cutting their taxes, they're like, why? I should be paying more taxes because I have a lot of money. Um, and not as an ego thing, just as like, I should, I have created- the fair, t- I, the fair yeah, thing to do. It, 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 yeah. Like, should I be taxed more or should someone that has no money and is like, you know, you know, trying to, trying to like make it in this world, be taxed more. No, I should be taxed more because I was able to succeed in an environment that, you know, took care of a lot of things, health or maybe not healthcare, but like defense security, you know, my building, my headquarters wasn't being, you know, lit on fire every night because there's like some, you know, law enforcement system, which now, as we know, is not all, not, you know, there's definitely some serious flaws, but that's a whole other topic. But needless to say, there is a level of security there. And so as a result, as a citizen in a country, and I'm in Canada, and I definitely think they should be taxed more here, and I think they are um, to a certain degree. But as a whole, yes, they, like if, if you're, you succeeded in a society that had a lot of things taken care of, that had a lot of things you know, figured out already, right? That had airports and infrastructure and et cetera, like little things, but every, most things figured out. And as a result, 
you should pay it back um, in the form of taxes to keep that government going. And I think, uh, so do I think billionaires should exist? Um, I tend to have a view that they should, um, I, or it's not should, but they, um, I tend to have a view that, uh, that there are, that they're not necessarily, I tend to have the view, yeah, so I guess I tend to view, have the view that they should, but should means that like, should we have more billionaires? We shouldn't necessarily have more billionaires because just for the sake of having more billionaires, we should have more people creating companies. And then if they get to a certain scale, they become billionaires, if you know what I mean there. Yeah, no, so I definitely do. They, so should they exist? Yes, I think they should. But should they be taxed more? Yes, I think they should. Um, and I think if you talk to many billionaires, they would share the same opinion that I do. So what do you think? Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban thinks they should be taxed more, by the way. Yeah, billionaires. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's a great perspective. But what do you think they think, like the people that you've interviewed? Like, what do you think Mark Cuban thinks about Jeff Bezos? Uh, I cannot speak on behalf of Mark Cuban. Well, um, speak on your behalf. What, what, do you what do you think I think he thinks of Jeff Bezos? Like, I can't answer that because I'm not Mark Cuban. Um, but Jeff Bezos has a lot of money. Um, and like I said, I don't I don't. Do you think, think he could be doing more with that amount of money? Pardon? Do you think he could be doing more with that amount of money? Um. Yeah, I mean, no, but like, I think the problem is, I think we're expecting these billionaires to, you know, it's, since you have a lot of money, all of a sudden you have to be a philanthropist. It's like, you know what the easiest solution Thank is? You. you know, they don't have to donate all this money. They should just be taxed more. And the government, the elected officials can figure out what to do with it. Like Jeff Bezos donating a million dollars, which isn't that much for him, but nevertheless, a million dollars is still a, a lot. decent amount of money. So like, everyone's like, well, that's 0.00% of his wealth. True. And like, you know, that's, I can understand why that would be insulting if he's donating. However, would you, do you want the million or you, you don't, right? And so there, there, I think there, there's that perspective, but there's also the perspective of like, you know what, like, what if billionaires just like J Jack Dorsey is donating 25 or something in, in the 20s percent of his wealth, um, uh, as a result of COVID or, you know, in, in, in this time frame of COVID, like that 20 number, whatever it is, um, and I could be wrong. So, um, what, uh, cut this out. <laughs> I just, I just don't want to say. No worries. It's just the thing about it is so many people. Yeah. A, a billion dollars. So he's, he's donating, he's donating a, a billion, um, vows to donate a billion dollars as a result of COVID. And so like, he's not worth a hundred billion. Um, and so that's a billion dollars is a lot of money. Like that's a lot of money, man. And so that's, I get it. I think that's really notable. Like, yes, he should be getting a round of applause. Does that make him a better CEO of Twitter? No. Does that, but, and you know, it would be another great way to do this. Like Jack Dorsey was never elected to donate the billion dollars. No one really asked him to. So obviously that's great that he's doing that himself, but if, Jeff Bezos was just taxed more then the government could figure out what to do with it. Um, and then this comes into the whole question of like, well, does the government know what to do with like, you know what, they're not perfect, definitely not perfect. And I think depending on where you fall in the political spectrum, you have strong, stronger opinions on this for sure. Um, but they, I would argue that since they're at least elected and there's some process there, they could figure out what to do with it. Um, and, and then you don't have to worry about Philip like philanthropy if you want to donate money to a charity you can but you don't have to like guilt you know you don't have to you know be guilty or you know feel guilty and as a result start all these philanthropic like 
start all these funds basically to like donate to charities, et cetera, because people are like billionaires have too much money. It's like, okay, what is that really why you're doing it? So if you tax more kind of solves this problem. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you that question because obviously you know a little bit more about the business world than I do. And I just see on Twitter all the time, just people attacking Jeff Bezos because he has too much money and they think he should, they always calculate the things that don't even really add up after it's like he could end world, world hunger with this amount of money. And it's just, how much did you really look into this percentage? And I mean, I just, I just think possible? it's not that it's simple. Just, it's not, like, it's, it's not that it's simple. Because money doesn't actually, like you need people, you need people, the money can buy execution and resources. But I think like Jeff Bezos isn't a politician, right? He's a, he's an entrepreneur. And yeah. so, but, but if the US and other countries or other countries that Jeff Bezos paid taxes in, so I guess mainly the US, if he, if that money was used to um, fund organizations, including the WHO or other organizations, um, like, you know, like even unit, like units, whatever, the United Nations, et cetera, um, and the U.S. had more money because they tax, tax Jeff Bezos more and Elon Musk and all these billionaires and millionaires too, like it doesn't stop at billionaires, like just tax wealthy people in general more. I feel like that would be a decent use of resources um, and, and help contribute back Agreed. to the economy Agreed. and the government. Agreed. So yes. So are billionaires, are billionaires God sense? No, they're <laughs> like everyone else. Trust and they're me, not, like, they're not supposed someone, to be God sense. As, as someone, as someone who's talked to them, are they politicians? No. Are they inspiring entrepreneurs? The ones that I've talked to? Yes. But uh, should they be taxed like everyone else? Yes. Of course. Maybe a little bit more. <laughs> Definitely. So we're pretty much nearing the end. So quick question. Let's, we'll so, go for 1150 here. All right. So we're, I'm in the U S yeah. what is the perspective from, what is the Canadian perspective on the U S oh, right God. now? Oh man. Be honest um, with me. I like honesty. How what, what, is it to, well, like how, how political do you want to get? Like, um, I have followed. Give me, give me your, sides, man. well, whatever you're comfortable with answering just what yeah, is, I got it. Um, I mean like, uh, so we'll talk about the positive first. As and I lived in the U.S., I lived yeah. in New York. So America's a really—it seems like it's a, a really resilient place. Um, there are a lot of challenges in that country, um, and especially from the Canadian perspective. Like there are a lot. Like people. Like I think I would say that I tend to be lean towards um, the left in the perspective of I think free healthcare is really beneficial, and I, I think Canadian the leadership here, while not perfect is at least moving in the right direction or at least not going backwards. Um, but I think the um, Americans as a whole, there's a sense of proudness and resiliency that um, I think is really unique. And as a result, when people are like, well, China's gonna become the next superpower in America, it's gonna be like, you know, it's going to, it's going to crap and, you know, it's just gonna be this like, you know, this, you know, this country, it's going in the wrong direction, et cetera. I don't disagree as because I think America is generally a resilient country and there are major, major challenges in that country. But I, I think as people, um, they're, they're quite resilient and they're, and they're quite like, yeah, we got this America and for good and for bad. Um, so I don't, I can't speak on behalf of all Canadians. I, I know many Canadians who think all Americans are stupid and that's totally wrong. And so, and I would, and I call them out on that. I know many Canadians who are like, I want to get out of Canada and move to Los Angeles. Like, you know, I, so I don't, I don't think there's like Canada and the U S are di very different in some senses, but 
in the sense that like, are we two very extremely different types of people? No, like there are so many Americans who live in Canada and there are so many Canadians who live in the US. And so I don't necessarily think that there's like this Canadian view on America. And I see these videos on TikTok all the time, like questions for Canadians, part one, do you all live in igloos? Like just stupid stuff <laughs> like that. And no, like Toronto's, you know, Toronto's the fourth biggest city in North America, bigger, um, you know, I think it's a, a behind or maybe third. Yeah, I think it's one of the, the third biggest cities, something like that. It's And so it's filled with many people. And, and as a result, like, uh, I don't necessarily think there's like this huge difference between the two countries. They're very different on many senses, but in terms of people and perspectives, I don't necessarily know. But what is, the, I think the Canadian perspective on America would heavily depend on what's your opinion on the current administration in the US? Like that's pretty much what it comes down to. And I know people who think the current administration in the US is doing a great job. And I know people who think they're uh, doing a terrible job and are going backwards. And so I think that's how you would answer that question. Yeah, it's definitely very divisive, especially especially in today's world. And it just brings on so many problems. And I just wanted to ask your outside perspective because this is the first time I speak to someone it's, from Canada, to be honest with you. Okay, well, awesome. Well, it's not as divi- I, I think it's not as divisive up here and you see more people wearing masks. So that's good. Yeah, I think so too. It's like, I see videos about people in Huntington Beach in California, just totally not believing things. I'm like, this is this is where the problem comes into. But hey, what can you do? It's just pretty much where we are at this point. So the divisiveness is, I will say the divisiveness is, uh, it's, it's, there's a divisive element here, but definitely not as much. Um, I notice that. I think people tend to at least unify. Um, and I think the easiest way to see that is based on who's wearing masks. Um, <laughs> like, it's, like how funny, who would have thought wearing a mask would become political? A like, political oh point, like, man. Who like, oh my God. Like, I think about that all the Democrats time. Democrats are going to wear masks and Republicans aren't. Like what? It's are you just, kidding like have us have a sense of unitedness for once it's um, it's, it's not even a united the country so it's, a un, it's a unison for the world man it's just yeah if you want a better future just do something like, so yeah. simple that's the thing this virus doesn't kill republicans or democrats specifically it's not uh the but the virus isn't political um and so masks shouldn't be either anyway but yeah so i i think i think that oh sorry i think the canadian perspective is uh I think Canada is also a, a, um, a, a great place to live. And, um, and as someone who's lived in both countries, I think both are very great and have awesome things to offer. Um, and, uh, and yeah. Okay. And a quick question, a quick update, actually. What do you know about this TikTok ban? Do you think it's still going to go through? Or, or this TikTok ban? Well, I mean, the number one thing that I, the comment I got on my uh, on my story um, or my my TikTok video, which I made one about, and I'm never talking about it. I'm never talking about the TikTok ban again on TikTok <laughs> unless it actually happens, because you know life's too short to kind of speculate. But um, if it is, a lot of the comments were like, "Oh my God, well, I live in the UK, I live in Canada, I live in Australia, I'm good." It's like, well, not really, because if the US bans it. What is Canada just going to be like, nah, we're good with spyware. Like, we're going to keep that on our phones. You know, they're going to ban that too. And same with the UK. And yeah. Most like, na- you know, nations. Didn't they ban it in are, India? Did that go uh, through? They banned it in India, but that was less of a security thing. I heard that was more of like a um, border dispute and like, a, well, F you, we're going to ban your most popular app. And so uh, it wasn't just TikTok, it was a bunch of Chinese apps. And so, the question is, will will the U.S. ban? Well, there's the one perspective, which is like, well, 
Um, I tend to share the perspective that, yeah, it probably is. They're probably collecting more data than they should. Um, and I, I don't, I wouldn't, I, with, if it was done for the right reasons, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it if it could be proved that they're collecting all this data. On the other hand, is the Trump administration going to ban TikTok? Like, I don't know, man. TikTok, which is owned by ByteDance, is, you know, backed by Sequoia Capital in, in China, which is also has a, you know, a U.S. office and is a big venture firm in the U.S. And I'm sure many people from Silicon Valley back Trump. And so, like, would Trump really screw their, their investment over? Like, there are a bunch of, like, little things that people don't actually realize um, that I think could influence this. And I think it's less of, like, like, again, there's no, it's not black and white. It's not like they're good or bad. It's like, you use TikTok, your data's sent to the Communist Party of China. Well, maybe, <laughs> but are, are we sure about this? I'm not sure. Yeah. I would need to see evidence. Is it going to be, is, is it going to be banned because um, people have been messing with Trump's rallies? Is that a good reason to ban it? No, definitely not. So I think it just depends on like, um, I think it depends on, on the data and, and how the U.S. sees it as a threat. But I also think it's it's not as easy just to say like, TikTok off, you know, it's not as black and white as they make it seem. Yeah, and I think it'll be a huge impact there. You can, I think the internet will go crazy if that actually happens because- Oh, it'd be crazy, it'd be crazy. And then it'd be like, okay, well, what's the next TikTok? Like, yeah, is it just like Byte, we waited for the right? next Vine, so. Is it, is it gonna be, is it, I mean, I, I have, I use Byte, which is, um, I guess the closest thing right now, the Vine 2 by the creator of Vine. Um, it's a little looping app in, um, similar to TikTok. I definitely don't think it's there yet, but I think there's some opportunity there. Instagram is testing out, um, I think it's called Reels or something, um, where they're, uh, I mean, maybe it's not called Reels, but some, some TikTok-like feature. Who knows? Yeah, I heard YouTube is trying to do something similar too because everyone's gonna jump on. So it's like, okay, it's a scramble. Where where are we gonna go now? And when Byte died, or when sorry, when Vine died, I don't think there was like a clear short form looping app that people jumped on. I think many went to YouTube, right? Like the the Pauls and the David Dobricks, etc. Many uh, maybe musically, but that was like a different crowd. So I'm not sure. Maybe maybe if TikTok does die, then that's it, and people just go to YouTube start their youtube channels who knows perhaps perhaps but either way i really appreciate it i had a great conversation thank you so much for your time and guys remember to check out the ones who succeed and uh join us every friday for me and my uh, co-host carlos to on the super special friday edition of the podcast where we talk about comic books media and all those fun things thank you so much guys have a good one and see you next time <laughs>